Hey everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes Podcast. Actually, there's two episodes this week. We've got Diamonds Are Forever, and now the James Bond epic franchise wrap-up series episode, Spectacular, with AJ. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm great. I'm so excited to be done. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm sad that like the project is over. It was a great project to undertake. I'm so glad that we did it. I'm so glad that we can finally say that we've seen every single James Bond Eon Productions film. Like, yeah, me I've too. I've seen them all. I know exactly what each one of them looks like at great length. Um, you know, but um, it, it was a great project. I'm sad, a little bit sad it's over, but I'm also happy to be moving on to the next thing. Yeah, me too. I, mean, I, I think it was a great thing for us to to latch on to to drive us through this pandemic. Like if we didn't have something to work on, we, we wouldn't have yeah, we podcasted at all. Yeah. Like, it'd be like, what the fuck are we talking about? Um, I, yeah, it's always been a life goal of mine to watch all the bond movies. Can I say that I'm going to remember all of them in five years? Probably not. Like I can barely remember some of them at this point. Like, <laughs> I like, think you'll remember them at least enough to say in the first five minutes, oh, this is a good one. This is a bad one. <laughs> right. If it's like on TV and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I know now of the ones I hadn't seen before, which ones I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is good. Like, I, I want to tune in. Um, so that, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, it'll be great to talk about something else. I think, like, I don't know. We, we That's the great thing about our podcast. We've never been only about one topic but we've been about many one, topics we've been about one topic for a long time so um but before we move on to something new we've got to wrap it all up because that's kind of the way we've been we've been working so like we've yeah 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 we got to honor sean connery because that definitely that was the one that we just went through and i mean i, I you know he had six movies he did Se seven if you count never say never again but like he had the best James Bond movie ever. And he, yeah, like, he, he did. He originated the role and like, he's unforgettable. Like he's James Bond. He's iconic. There's other James Bonds that are different or funny or have a different flavor, but he, there is only one originator. And I, I think Sean Connery is the man. I have so much respect for him and the quality of the movies that he turned out overall that, you know, his swaggering in the first three films really propel the whole franchise forward. Um, and it's also interesting to look at those three films, not as a trilogy, but as kind of the, the origination of the James Bond character to the world. Yeah. You know, it's three, you know, kind of connected, mostly separate um, storylines that, kind of show a broad uh, take of James Bond's character from dealing with, uh, you know, different kinds of scientists to dealing with crazy uh, metallurgists and criminals to dealing with, you know, criminal syndicates. Like he deals with all different kinds of threats and he's capable of handling all of them. Yeah, he really is. And, and like those first three movies, he really looks like he's having a great time. He's, just having a black i mean yeah a, a, as a man in the 60s like eh, all right like as a no, movie for star, sure like but still like as, as james bond like i just feel like he he gets it and he's out there to to have a have a blast and 
and to make this character memorable. And and without him, we may never have had twenty four, twenty five movies like that. You definitely, you definitely would. You wouldn't have had a franchise had he not bought into the idea that he was going to play this character over over several films. You know, not just the sequel. Yeah. And he really did leave, you know, very big shoes to fill. You know, when he walked away after You Only Live Twice and they bring in Lazenby, it does not work. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work on many levels. It doesn't work on a production level because he's a dick. It doesn't work on a financial level because he's not. um, He's not bankable. He's not bankable. He's not the same star that everyone's gotten to know for the last few movies. And he sucked in that movie. And then you get to uh, Diamonds Are Forever and you're getting back that old sauce again. You know what I mean? They really tried to go back with the formula for Goldfinger. You can hear more about this in the last episode. But, you know, it's interesting that they uh, didn't go to this lane sooner. You know, it kind of seemed after um, uh, From Russia With Love that they were going to go, you know, villain movie, Spectre, you know, consortium movie, villain movie, you know, Spectre, weird movie, and that they were trying to make Blofeld be the villain for that movie, but it kind of just gets muddled, and then we see them take a different shot at it with On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which... um, is is a interesting movie in and of itself. No one would say that the villain, I guess, is really the absolute worst part of that movie. Yeah. But uh, you know, here again, he's not. It's not the same thing, and it, really, everybody's worried about the hero. They're worried about James Bond, and we think about Sean Connery. All the production designers, you know, when they were doing their doodles, would draw Sean. Um, he's the man. Uh, all the actresses loved him. Yeah. They all raved about him in the special features. Yeah, I mean, he's just like when you think about the quintessential James Bond elements. He embodies them all, right? Like he has that that swagger. He can wear a tuxedo, he can you know, he's got the he can womanize with with the ladies, but he can also charm the men. He can fight like anybody. And he's not afraid to use the gadgets when he has to. Like, I think, you know, Goldfinger is the pinnacle movie. I mean, it's kind of a shame that it's taken a long time to bring that, bring other movies up to that level. Uh, but, like, they, they really hit it gold yeah. <laughs> with that one. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of... Uh, I, I love him, man. He's just like he's the best, and I, I agree. I, I think there's no question in my mind he is my favorite James Bond. Um, after this, I think Craig is very interesting to watch, and he's always doing new things with the character. And yep. I'm excited to see what he does. You know, with No Time to Die. However, that movie comes out, we'll talk about it on a totally different podcast. Um, but you know, the idea that there is no James Bond if Sean Connery isn't the man, that he doesn't become a household name, that he doesn't inspire cultural changes in the world. Everyone goes spy crazy. Everyone spoofs it. You know, you know you're doing well when you have people making fun of you. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. And he 
he's he's the man and i'm so happy that you know we finished the whole thing and you know it's it's also interesting that he's still around you know yeah again we've talked about this i think a little bit of the idea of old james bond you know like or old james bonds you know like how do they bring all the old guys back for a spider verse or (laughs) how do you um bring one of them back and just do a james bond movie of an old james bond i mean and that's kind of what i'm hoping for but you know i don't know if they're ever going to do that but like i think there's a lot to say about i mean i think sean connery may be out but there are some others that could still be game to do it and i think you get money from that right you've got people that like grew up with those other bonds uh or actors as bond and uh i don't know but yeah i mean the 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 pantheon of the different james bond actors like if you grew up with somebody as yours, like I can see why, but like, un- you're going to ul- like them more, but ultimately yeah. like we grew up with Pierce Brosnan and I, I loved him, but like, I also recognize that it wouldn't exist like his success and having the video game and ev- all that wouldn't have existed without Sean Connery. And, and totally. I rewatched the, the Sean Connery movies as a, or watched them for the first time early in my life and i realized then that like oh this is bond this is classic this is how it should be um so yeah uh i don't know what else is there to say about (laughs) sean i mean he's just like awesome and i'm so thankful that he is still around like it (laughs) sean if you're listening (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you man you're the you're fucking awesome Uh, and now the he's a, a film legend uh he you know, goes on to make some other really kick-ass movies later on in his life. Yeah. You know, and he's definitely an, an iconic guy. And the – it's interesting, you know, we, yeah. we looked at a lot – we talked a lot about um, on the you Only Live Twice episode about, like, the filmmakers, like how that we've learned so much about them and that, you know, it's almost them that are more of the more common recurring characters than the Bond actors or anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, when you bring Guy Hamilton back and you have Cubby Broccoli and Saltzman together, like, they're ultimately the beta version of Kevin Feige and, uh, you know, um, Esposito. Like, they figured it out together, you know, how to manufacture uh, action-adventure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That Like, they literally make male excitement (laughs) like (laughs) you know in the same way that hugh hefner you know sells you know male sexuality or female sexuality like these guys sell like you know adrenaline to guys and like they did it in a way that nobody had ever done before in a time when the film technology was not what it is today where you can just make shit happen anywhere with any digital filter bullshit they had to go invent shit. They had to go, you know, Ken Adam. Ken Adam is the man. He designs the most iconic sets in movie history for James Bond. Yeah. And the you, stunt acting, you know, doing all of the True. different – Using the really high-end uh, technical stunt actors and um, uh, extreme sport performers in the shots to mimic James Bond. Like that's so fucking cool that they went on to go do that. Like it. Yeah. 
it's a great thing and i'm ho- i'm excited to like pass it on to my kids i'm excited to uh oh you yeah know, remember see what happens with james bond in the future um but if you let's say you wanted to see all the james bonds and you were like hey guys how should we watch all the james bonds which james Whoa. Bonds should we watch which one shouldn't Whoa. we watch we've fucking done the homework we have the entire fucking podcast we've been rating these movies now what i will say is in the last 15 minutes frank and i went through and we kind of did a head-to-head for all the movies that were placed that we thought maybe could have been in a little bit of a different position so a few of these are true to the average ranking and a few of these are moved around at our behest because we can do makers of the things (laughs) we have that power um, so we're going to start at the bottom. Can I just respond to see you, to something you said before? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, like two two thoughts. One, um, Sean Connery, I think, as James Bond, is, is amazing, right? But, like, I think the fact that he went and had a very successful movie career after James Bond That's is huge. Kind of, huge. And I think that says something about him, right? Like, it's not just that he was able to do this one character. It's like, to be I mean, obviously, Lazenby, nothing. Roger Moore, uh, I don't know much of else he's done. Like, Timothy Dalton has acted in other things, and I know him from other stuff. Pierce Brosnan, too. And Daniel Craig as well. But, like, I think you've got to be a fantastic actor that, like, can transcend just this one character. And, like, Sean Connery started with that. You're so right, man. The other thing I want to respond to is, yes, it will be really interesting to to share this with our kids because, like, at whatever point we feel comfortable, like, there may be several more movies. Like, that's what's been so interesting about this year. Like, we started this year thinking, okay, James Bond is going to come out, and it's been pushed a whole year. And it's already, like, when did Spectre come out? 2015? Like, it's been a long time. So like yeah. we we've got like a lot of content to go back to and to look at, but like by the time we've got kids and that that they're ready to to absorb this, like yeah, where do we start? I mean, we, there may be a new James Bond by then, like actor that they'll be like, oh, I want to see this guy, um, but well, <laughs> we don't know. I mean, it could be anybody, but I yeah, like you were just teeing up. Thank you very much because I I I, uh, I appreciate it. I think. It is definitely time to reveal the official uh, Long Lost Heroes James Bond ranking. Um, I mean, AJ and I have our own scores. We've got the average of our scores that kind of informed uh, the rankings. But also, like, you know, when when you start the, the whole project and, like, you gotta you got to go for the long haul. Like, I think we were both saving our high marks for Goldfinger, but, like... It's hard to be scoring the Daniel Craig's without having seen all the Roger Moore's, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you just don't know what you're going to get. And so I think that's why we're, like, giving it a little bit of margin of error. Be like, oh, we scored this too high. We scored this a little low, et cetera. Um, So we want to go from the bottom up. I mean, I think there's, like, maybe – I mean, how do you want to do this, buddy? Do you want to, like, talk a little bit about each one or you just want to, like, roll through the list? I think we'll talk a little bit about each one as the, as we go. That'll be fun. All right. That works for me. Um, yeah. Okay. So, everybody. At number 24, Octopussy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, 
it was our like on average our lowest score. It was my second lowest. It was AJ's lowest. Uh, it's not very memorable. I think it's kind of problematic. It's, it's got bad wigs. It's got racism against Indian people. It was a great episode. Tune in with uh, to hear about us talking about it with comedian Deanna Kobe. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a t- horrendous movie. You're bringing back Maude Adams to be terrible uh, for no reason with a plot that is just so fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it, it deserves to be down here. It's it's a horrendous <laughs> You picture. go and think about what you've done. <laughs> yeah, it's your bad movie. <laughs> All right. So number 23, Die Another Day. So oh, yeah. I watched Die Another Day again like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was with my in-laws, and that's a movie that they have a DVD of, and it was like... I don't know, one that they've watched a bit. So I liked it better, maybe, again. I mean, I saw it originally when it came out, but, like, I've seen it a few times now. But still, it's, like, it's got... I think the thing about watching Die Another Day is, like, you realize how, like, campy it's gotten. Like, this movie... Oh, for sure. This movie was 2002. Like, like it should be, like, fucking awesome. But they're just, like, leaning in hard to all the, like, ridiculousness. Like, yeah, it, this movie is, you know, kind of an interesting time capsule of before 2011, 9-11 time period. Like, this movie did come out after, but it was in production beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And definitely feels uh, dated in the sense of the threats that James Bond is dealing with. And yes, I can understand seeing it as the escape that it was, but... If maybe if I was running it, I would have probably retooled Bond a little bit differently. Yeah. And before, you know, putting this movie out into the world in a post 9-11, you know, film going audience. I also really hate the the villain being like, you know, genetically altered as a North Korean man into a, a, a British man. Like, it's just yeah, like, that's yeah, it's just horrible. Like, why? Why did they think that was a good idea? But Halle Berry is amazing, and it's kind of a shame that she's so far down the list because she's beautiful. Um, yeah, she is. All right, so at number 22, which, if I, you know, before all of this, I would have been surprised to see this this low. Yeah. Live and Let Die. But because the song is so fucking good. <laughs> but the right. movie is... We didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know. Like, the song is awesome. And it's definitely a cool title. It's one of the original Fleming titles from the books. You can check out the episode with Nate Marshall. It's a, it's, a, it's also a good episode. Um, but I think a big marker that, you know, usually lands these movies in the lower end of the scale for us is um, definitely the racism and this movie does not skimp on that. And it's still an interesting film to watch and definitely a cool thing to see, uh, you know, to see Roger Moore's first turn. Um, but ultimately, you know, we both agree that there's a superior film um, to watch Roger Moore in. Oh, I mean, the fact that this is his first just feels weird. Um, and... I mean, I, I feel like I watched it as a kid, but maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Maybe it just most of it went over my head. But watching it now and maybe watching it 
like weeks after the you know the George Floyd protests and everything just yeah. didn't feel right. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it's kind of a shame that this movie has become what it is. So anyway, um, moving on. So to li- to number 21, License to Kill, the second film of uh, Timothy Dalton, which we both agreed was the uh, inferior. inferior of the two. This one I actually don't even think I watched with Megan. This may be the only film <laughs> that uh, I watched alone, but like Aww. it, uh, I don't know. This is the one with uh, Robert Dobby, right? Oh yeah. And we watched Goonies after that, and be like, "Hey, look at that, <laughs> that guy." Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this movie was weird. Uh. I- it's not a great film, and it's definitely got some flawsies. It's definitely the reaction film to uh, Living Daylights. We always say that there's a film, and then there's a reaction film after the fact, and this one is definitely that. And, you know, it's uh, it's definitely it's not the worst film on this list, as, as you can see, but this is not a movie I would definitely recommend to somebody coming into James Bond for the first time. Yeah. You know, like this is definitely something that if you're interested in seeing what happened with Dalton, go and rent these two movies or, um, check out living daylights. But if you, you know, to fully grasp where Dalton's head was at and why, you know, he didn't go on to play bond anymore after this, uh, you can definitely check this film out. Right. I mean, I think that's, what's interesting, right? Like, uh, most of what we've been preaching throughout the podcast is like, you can't rate the bond actor on his first performance. Like usually they need to go a little bit, but like in, in the case of Timothy Dalton, like, Nope, just stick with the first nope. one. <laughs> and it's kind of a shame because like, I feel like he could have really been awesome. Like they could have given him legs and given him like three or four or five movies to, to like latch onto. And because of what we saw in living daylights and we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, he was great. Uh, but in, in the second one, it just, it just didn't work. Um, and this was like the, it's kind of like a revenge movie, right? Is that this one? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a plot that's filled with, um, just James Bond on a rampage and it, it's fun, but it's also, you know, it's definitely, a, a, it feels like alternative, alternate universe bond right you know it's like uh frank miller bond you know what i mean like it's it's a different brand and i mean i think that's the problem when you've got a bunch of different actors portraying him uh because each guy's gonna always give his own take um but which leads us into the next one which is somebody else's last take (laughs) uh roger moore and a view to a kill um yeah, this movie is rough. Uh, I remember watching it and thinking, like, holy crap, what is happening here? Um, Roger Moore definitely looked a lot older than Connery did in this last movie we watched, Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. So if you kind of look at them, like, who went out better looking on top, it definitely goes to Connery. Uh, but, you know, I think this movie has a couple of iconic highlight reel moments, so I don't think it's, like, a terrible, terrible entry, but it's definitely, it's only notable for having, I think Christopher Walken. Yeah. I mean, and then you've got, uh, everything in San Francisco and you've got, uh, Mayday. Like there, there are definitely 
cool elements to this movie. Um, but yeah, it, as as Roger Moore's final film, it's kind of like, all right. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, sure. I mean, that's the other thing of like we're saying as we rate them all, we have to put them in order, right? Like even the bottom of the barrel, like doesn't make any one of these films like completely unwatchable. They're still like, it's still a James Bond still, Eon production movie. Yeah. And like, I mean, if you love Pierce Brosnan, you'll probably like Dire Another Day. I mean, if you like octopuses, you might like octopussy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, that's just, we're talking about it all as a whole. Like, so yeah. Ultimately, there are, are, are plenty better. Um, so now we get to the, I mean, most B-movie of them all, I think, right? Like, <laughs> oh, uh, for sure. Number 19, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, this is where where they decided to go with a new actor for the first time with George Lazenby. Um I mean, talk about alternate universe, right? Like, and they even it is. fucking wink at it. Like, the guy at the beginning of the movie says, "Like, oh, this didn't happen to the other fellow, did it?" Like, it's so it's so weird. Um, you know, this movie I think is interesting because you kind of almost have to see it to believe it. Yeah, you know, it's definitely something that uh, there are scenes and and aspects of this movie that are very influential for Bond going forward. Uh, particularly all the skiing, um, but also the skiing. Uh, Christopher Nolan loves this movie. It's his, one of his favorite James Bonds. Um, I think that's an interesting idea that, you know, he gets a lot of, a lot of influences from this film movie. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and also Lazenby's performance in general, is just pretty lackluster and and really defines to uh, lacks any definition or like real like significant flavor. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it's it just this generic guy playing generic James Bond. Right. He's he's doing his best impression of Sean Connery, but like not not even great. <laughs> um yeah. I, I I think like this movie uh, Telly Salavas as as Blofeld is actually really good, um, and then Diana Rigg as Tracy Bond is is awesome. Yeah, so it, it has definitely rede- redeeming moments. Um, I feel like this is one, uh, like there hasn't been a true ma- remake in the Eon Productions, but obviously they they did a reboot um, when they when they started with Daniel Craig. So I'm like, if they want to kind of do another soft reboot and start. Re- uh, remaking some of the movies that would be kind of cool i feel yes. like this one is prime for that right like go go for it like yes start start at, at, at this point or start maybe one before this and then have this movie be like a huge impact on the character and and, and see where it goes that's the problem in the, in the late 60s early 70s most of the bond movies there's less continuity and they're not really taking this because like this movie has such an impact on the character and it, it could have been great and in the next film diamonds are forever is completely forgotten um completely so going to the next film number 18 quantum of solace i mean surprise surprising but also not surprising Quantum Solace at the very near the bottom. I mean, we knew we always knew it was the the least uh, liked and well rated of 
of the Daniel Craigs, but like, damn. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is a, you know, it's interesting that the Craig movies have such good consistency, and we have a couple of them right up here at the top, but down towards the bottom, you know, this is definitely going to go there. It's just, it, it's it has such a tragic history. Remember, like, it was supposed to come out, um, you know, during the writer's strike in 2007, yeah. 2008. It gets, you know, totally screwed around with in production where it's uh, the director and Daniel Craig writing the script at certain points. And they definitely had an idea. They were definitely going towards a place, but whatever happened, it got marred. And, you know, just like uh, Guy Hamilton comes in to direct Goldfinger, you'll have uh, Sam Mendes come in to direct Skyfall and totally change the game. Totally change the game. that had to happen, and I'm glad that Craig stuck around long enough to really have his seminal Bond piece. And... This movie uh, definitely feels, you know, the most Iron Man 2 of the James Bond movies, even though we do like Iron Man 2, <laughs> you know, and it and it's it's just weird. It, it doesn't have any. Uh, it, I mean, what's the fucking memorable part of this movie, Frank? I mean, uh, what's the highlight reel? I like the explosion part at the end <laughs> where everything's sure. on fire. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this movie what could have been better is if like, cause I, cause parts of the pro- the problem with Casino Royale is that it feels like it ends a few times. And like if they maybe merge some of those ideas into one movie, like it could have been better. Um, but Casino Royale, uh, I mean, Quantum of Solace as a, a sequel, like a true sequel um, and feel like uh, a revenge movie. It's just like, just doesn't work overall i think if maybe they teased along the specter elements earlier on it could have been better but it just it just doesn't work and the villain is not very interesting at all um all right getting on to the next film number 17 the world is not enough definitely it isn't i thought this was better like i really thought this was one when we rewatched it i was like holy fuck this movie sucks it does. Um, and, th- th- I mean, number 17 is not terrible on the list, but, like, I just feel bad. Like, Pierce Brosnan, like, he he could have had so much more to work with. Um, and, like... You're right. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, they just didn't do a great job with with the characters and, and the plot and no, you- all of the things that you do to make a movie... <laughs> Yeah, you kind of have to have, um, you know, some structure in the bones there. And the world is not enough, lacks a lot of structure. Christmas Jones. Yeah, Christmas Jones. Oh, boy. It, she just, um, yeah. She just, I mean, as beautiful as she is, it's just she, just, she just made this movie, like, points down way worse. Um, I mean, is there anything else to say? Hmm. Nope. All right. So this next one we just watched. Diamonds are forever. Um, again, number 16. Like, it is the last Sean Connery. I feel like it's notable that it's the lowest of all the Sean Connerys, right? Yeah. Um, it was one that we didn't know much about. It was one that neither of us had seen. So for it to be kind of like 
bottom half of the list is is makes sense. Um, it's not terrible, but it's not great, and it doesn't really have anything super memorable. Um, nope. We'll remember that it was the last one we watched. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we just did a whole podcast about this, so go listen to that. Um, this movie is not great, um, but, you know, it's definitely not... Uh, it doesn't have any major flaws or horrible racism. True. Uh, <laughs> uh, so moving on to the next film uh, is The Living Daylights, the first Timothy Dalton feature. So, I mean, I think... if to my, We fought to, to move this up. We fought to move this up. So to my... like, All right, we've had... There are 24. If this is number 15, to, to me, this is where things kind of start looking positive, right? Yes. There's more to like in the movie than there is to dislike. And like the ones above it tend to have things drawing it down than necessarily like boosting it up. Um, the rest of the ones that we just talked about all have lots of problems. But The Living Daylights, I think for both of us, since we had never seen a Timothy Dalton movie, was very refreshing. And it was really interesting to see a new take. Um I like him a lot, and it's like I wish License to Kill was better, and I wish that there was more of him as James Bond because, like, what we see in this first one is we like it is really interesting. It's cool. It's a new take, and it definitely feels good. And he's like bringing a lot to it, and he's trying to, you know, he don't he had been considered for Bond earlier in his career. He didn't take it. He then comes back, and now he's you know, really trying to use Fleming to enrich the character. So you see a much darker bond, a much more frustrated bond and emotional. You know, he gets to do some really great things in the film and it's definitely the better of the two. Totally. Um, and yeah, it, it would have been awesome, but that it wasn't in the cards. Um, so moving along another one that we recently watched Thunderball number 14. Um, Oh yeah. I feel like it's pretty iconic. Uh, it's memorable. They remade it. That's, they did. That's something. It's based on a, one of the novels. I mean, Sean Connery is still kind of like firing on all cylinders here. I mean, this one has the fucking iconic jetpack, right? Like, that's awesome. But it has, you know, some elements that just don't work. And uh, to me, it drags on a lot. And it's like uh, this one might be one that you fall asleep to if, if you're not It's the reachiest of the Sean Connery movies. It's yeah. reaching to be a great movie the whole time. It just never materializes. That's a, that's a great point. I, I, I feel like it has a lot of really cool elements and, and they spent a lot of fucking money on this movie too. Yes, they did. But it just, sometimes it's just not the answer. Just not the way. to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving along to the, Thunderballiest of the next <laughs> actor. Yeah. Um, Moonraker, number 13, for Roger Moore. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is an iconic film in that you have the Moonraker laser, you have the redemption of Jaws. But at the end of the day, um, <laughs> this is... Uh, the plot of this movie is, is thin. <laughs> well, and like, like similar, I think... So this movie came out after For Your Spy Eyes. Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me. Sorry. And that plot is very similar to this plot, and it's very similar to Thunderball. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You've got this like 
big base that they've got to infiltrate, and you've got this big something that's about to happen, and it's either space or water. Uh, Moonraker, as a response to Star Wars, is not great, but, like, if it... And what's interesting is, like, uh, earlier with You Only Live Twice being a space movie, like... The fact that like nineteen seventy what eight nine I can't remember what year this movie came out but it could have been really cool but they just went way too campy with it and they just I don't know I I I think that they saw all the fantasy elements of Star Wars and they were like how are we gonna make this realistic and they didn't sure that's a good point they uh, they couldn't figure out what what the real science of space was gonna be like. And they didn't want it to be like the actual science of space at the time. Uh, they wanted to be forward thinking, but it just it doesn't hold up. I think that's the problem. Maybe maybe when it came out, it probably was awesome, but now it's just not Meow. as great. Uh, so you we only had lived to twice. <laughs> um, yeah, you only live twice. Coming in at number twelve. Um, you know, again, we had spoken that we had really high expectations for what this movie was going to be, and we just did not get them met. Um, why is that? Are Frank and I crazy? Well, you know that's true. But what also is true <laughs> is that we were expecting some culmination, some answers, some feeling of redemption for these characters and an explanation of where the story we've been going on has been leading to. And you don't really get that. What you really get is kind of a racist drop through Japan, um, with some very cool shots and iconic scenes and gadgets. Uh, it's got a lot going for it. Um, it it's, it's definitely one that is something you could come at James Bond from the beginning. You probably shouldn't start here, but this is a, uh, this is a classic and it, it definitely deserves that. It is a classic. Um, you know, seeing it a couple times now, I, I feel like there are memorable moments. I'm a little surprised that we've we've got it so high because of some of the racist elements. But, like, it also yes. could have been such a great film and that it was actually pretty close to being a great film. Um, Blofeld, like, the iconic uh, Donald Pleasance, like, that's the yeah. look of Blofeld that you expect. I mean, fuck when they made uh christoph waltz play him inspector that's the look that they went for right like yes so uh yeah this this should have been the avengers this should have been like the uh the culmination of specter but it, it just wasn't um Meow. but it you know it's enjoyable enough and it beat out the rest so next is number 11 the first movie that we reviewed re or discussed uh, Goldeneye. Um, yeah. So this movie, you know, was super important to the whole adventure here. It was also really crucial, uh, for us into getting into James Bond. It was the timely thing that came out when we were kids. There was a whole video game about it. We've talked about the video game with tons of people on this podcast. I mean, every guest that we've had on, like, yeah, yeah. we play the game. Like, that's like... That's their introduction to it. Like, if you've never seen a movie, you played the game. If you've seen one, you've played the game. I mean, it's it just, it's so ingrained in the culture of this movie. Um, it superseded the, the movie in so Definitely. many ways. Um, but, you know, as Pierce, Bro Pierce Brosnan's first film, like, uh, 
I really like it. Like I want this is one that I want to go watch again. Actually, like I feel like because at the time we were like, all right, we're gonna start this project, and I'm like, all right, sounds good. But like I want to look for the things that we talked about again. I, I want to like re-experience that fucking awesome tank scene. I want to see like uh, Famke Jensen good way be like a, about it. a badass villain, uh, physical antagonist, right? Like and fucking Sean Bean awesome fucking sean bean so yeah it's it's a it's definitely a classic uh it's got a lot going on it's got a very thick heavy plot you know it's also got a laser beam uh you know it's it's iconic it's got a lot going for it definitely tons in the highlight reel here sure um this next one is a little bit more controversial i'm sure for people for a top 10 but it makes sense to us and that is for your eyes only at number 10 Mm mm-hmm uh, so if you haven't seen For Your Eyes Only, it's the film that comes out immediately after Moonraker. It's a little bit more subdued. It's got a little bit more um, plot theming elements that are having to deal with ancient Greece and uh, some different stuff. It's a pretty fun and exciting film to watch. And I think it's just Roger Moore at his best. It's kind of a transitional period where they were going away from the crazy sets the crazy eccentric bad guys to more grounded real uh, reality driven um threats that bond could face and how he could go up against them and this movie i think just does a really great job of bringing that all together and uh you know packaging an enjoyable film um i, I liked it what do you think about this movie frank i like this one um i agree with you i do feel like it's roger moore at his best like <laughs> We've already said a lot of his his movies, unfortunately, and you know, as unfortunately not being my Bond, like I, I didn't experience yeah. him that much growing up. Like this was kind of like, all right, I, I can see why people really like him and really like clicked with him. Um, this was like this one had like the cool climbing sequence, right? Like, oh yeah, on, on the mountain, like that was awesome. It had a really great Bond girl, like. I, I do feel like the plot worked really well here. Um, and it was a very timely Cold War movie. Um, so, yeah, this this one was a surprise to me that was one that we... And there's another one in this that we'll get to that also kind of fits that bill. But moving ahead, um, we get to number nine, Spectre. Oh, yeah. It's kind of controversial. I feel like... I. I Obviously, everybody loves Daniel Craig, right? Like, they yes. – it's kind of unspoken that, like, he's done a great thing with the films, but his take is also very, very different. It's not consistent. But, yeah, it's not consistent. And so for every Skyfall you have, you have a Spectre. You've got one that's not quite as good. And, like, it is kind of – I'm very glad that it's not his last one and that we still have – uh, no time to die to come out. Um, but Spectre was definitely a dip in in quality and, and not necessarily his fault, but it has some really amazing elements to it. And I mean, we love him and the, the fucking opening sequence alone is so great. Like, yeah, but you know, you're introducing Blofeld and you've got Batista. You could do so much more. <laughs> No, I feel you, man. It, it's it's an interesting piece in that, you know, 
it's also they were we were hoping for them to culminate something. It was around the time people were culminating everything. Yeah. And it just kind of um became an Austin Powers joke. Uh but ultimately this movie is definitely worth the watch of the other uh Daniel Craig's that you've seen, and if you're a modern film goer, I think it definitely makes sense to throw this one into the queue. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, watch them. I mean, I think when we talked about this one, uh, I think this was with our, our wives, or was that Quantum of Solace? No, we, this was with Quantum Alex. Was... This was with Alex. And yes. We discussed that, you know, it may make more sense to watch this after Quantum of Solace. That could be a thing. Um, that's true. So if that's your thing, go for it. So in our next one, uh, number eight, the man, man with the golden gun. This movie was such a surprise for me. I loved it. Like, Oh, it's great. I, I mean, if listing off the films beforehand, I mean, I, I knew the golden gun, of course, because of golden eye, the game, but I didn't right. know fucking Christopher Lee was in it. God nope. damn. And I mean, does it have problematic elements? Of course. Is it, you know, in the mid seventies and not feel super modern and, you know, things that you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah. But, but, but it's a great plot. It's a great villain. Roger Moore is like, it's like right in gear. Is this a second or third for him? Um, what, what do you think about this one? I like this movie. It's one of the ones my dad showed to us when we were kids. It's definitely a good one-off James Bond adventure. It's got all the flavors that you want. Um, It's definitely Roger Moore, um, you know, a little bit more uh, grounded in a James Bond character than he is in Live and Let Let Die. And it's a film that, because of the fantastical elements and the Ken Adams sets, it really does hold up very well. And... Uh, I still think looks really great even today. Um, that's why it's always going to be a great movie to watch. Yeah. Um, but another movie that I would say is surprising for me on the list, even still here, but I think the lasting legacy of this guy definitely, you know, g- goes beyond. And that is number seven tomorrow never dies. Um, and that is the Pierce Brosnan's second turn. I re- I remember really liking this movie because this to me feels, you know, again, Bond movies can be very reactionary. This movie feels like after Golden Eye, they wanted to go to a new, uh, you know, bring back the Bond flavors people love, bring back Q, bring back the car, bring back a uh, the action, you know, go crazier on the action, the physical stunts than they had done in a long time. I, I dug this movie and I'm, I'm glad that it, you know, this is a movie I would definitely, you know, w- watch with my kids, or, you know, and say like, Oh, this is a, this is a classic. Yeah. Again, this one surprised me too. I mean, I, I think like I've looked at some of the lists online of, of rankings of the, the James Bond films and, you know, ours is going to be completely different than some of those. But like, I've seen some where this movie is like, at the bottom, either like the last or the second to last. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, we really enjoyed it. Like, it's to me, I mean, Goldeneye and this one are really close to me in terms of P- Pierce Brosnan, but like, I feel like this one, he's like, he's comfortable. 
he understands like what he's supposed to do and you've got an awesome uh female uh character that is just there with him you've got a female villain like it, i don't know there's just so many elements to like in this one and uh i do feel like it holds up uh much more than some of his other entries for sure um but moving along we get back to mr bond himself uh with number six from russia with love Uh, this one again was a great 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 film um for this to be the second james bond movie ever to come out is is crazy i mean yes it sets the bar in so like i mean this one we we created our categories long before (laughs) before watching the sean connery's but like it it fit into it like we've got our physical antagonist we've got our villain we've got the gadgets and everything like this is where things start to feel like james bond right it's introducing so many of the the elements that we're used to uh, definitely and it, and, it, and it it's it's fun it's got the phys- it's got all of the categories it also um you know did different things than a normal sequel would do uh the bond girl is super great this movie had to be successful in order for there to be other bond movies and uh, it's, it's definitely one you sh- you got to see oh yeah uh you definitely have to see this one um but probably not before seeing the first ever one which oh, i'm yeah. getting ahead of myself <laughs> but that's why the, there's these are the number five right these are the, these are the top five the best ones that you got to see if if you're not if you're not going to be a huge james bond aficionado and watch all the movies but you want to watch the best of the best the cream of the crop these are the top five you got to look for yeah and, and, we, and coming up Got a lot of the the different actors, too, which is a great thing. You know, we've got a good spread. Um, But appropriately, number five. Roger Moore, Mm -hmm. The Spy Who Loved Me. The best Roger Moore movie. Yep. Uh, It's definitely fun. It's the biggest Roger Moore movie that they had made before Moonraker. It's definitely more successful because that plot feels more original than the Moonraker plot does. Yes. Uh, it's also got the Lotus car, which is Woo! the biggest contribution to the gadget uh, universe at Pantheon uh, from Roger Moore ever. Uh, it rules. It also totally subverts the Q scene. Um, I love this movie. This was great. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I remember when we were thinking like, oh, is it going to be anything like the spy who shagged me? And it's like, no, not, not at all. Nothing like that at all. It's it's just – it's pure fun. It, it's it got a great plot. Go listen to our episode on it. Like, uh, But it, it's definitely our favorite of the Roger Moores. Um, so appropriately, next we've got another favorite Daniel Craig film, number four. Oh, yeah. Casino Royale. Which I think, you know, is a very popular top five movie. Some people, it's their uh, favorite. Some people, it's one, two, three-ish. I think we lo- love this movie a lot. And I love it for what it, what it did for James Bond, for the franchise. It rebooted everything. It pre- provided a clean slate. Um, bringing in a new actor who's going to do a completely different thing than anyone had before. Um, and it's also based on the first film, uh, the first book, 
like that's that's huge like it, 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 it as much as it wants to be new it also wants to be old and it wants uh, to honor everything before dude couldn't have said it better myself that was awesome that was awesome yeah it's oh man <laughs> now we're getting the ones i like casino royale <laughs> is so fun i remember watching it a couple of times um it's definitely one of the movies you could pop on not know anything about james bond and learn a lot and be right up to the action yeah uh yeah it's you know it proves to how great fleming was that most of this uh novel that he wrote you know has been reiterated and reinterpolated so many times that it was even able to be redone in 2006 and still make sense and kick off an entire new franchise like yeah. that's fucking awesome so yeah, Casino Royale is a ma- is a great film. Um, go check it out. Uh, it, it rules. Yep. Um, number three, uh, the first James Bond film ever, Doctor No. Diddy diddy. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's awesome. Does it have problems? Yes. Yes. But. It like it sets up so much, and you wouldn't have so much after it without it. Uh, I, I feel like Doctor No as a villain is actually all unfortunately a little He's bit for, well set up though. Like he, I forgot about him a little bit, and it's kind of not fair because like rewatching him, I'm like, oh man, he's pretty cool. Um, and but like if they had set up the umbrella of Spectre a little bit more in the 60s. Like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the perfect, like, not henchman, but, like, sem- sub-boss villain, like, mini-boss, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, to, to your Blofeld. And he, he's great. Um, and, you know, Sean Connery in his, in his first outing, just, like, hitting the ball out the fucking park. Yeah. He rules. He, you know... He's flawless. He's wrapped in mystery. You see him, you know, the introduction is so amazing. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a iconic um, movie, definitely filled with some great highlight reel moments. Um, the One of the, my favorite talkie-talkie scenes in the aquarium. Ugh, it's a great movie. So great. Uh, all right, so we're at the top two here. I mean, I feel like everything up until this point there's like all the James Bonds are, are, are awesome. You've got varying degrees of success, but I, these next two to me are like fucking masterpieces. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and so number two is Skyfall, which is, yeah. it's just hard that Skyfall isn't number one because Skyfall is fucking awesome. Skyfall is fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, of the modern James Bonds, like this one just, it did everything different. And also the same, but also <laughs> <laughs> like you, you've got all the bond elements that you want, but like also fucking Judy Dench and her iconic, just rise and fall at the, the I mean, this is the end for yeah. her as a, as a character. And she did so much beforehand. Um, great villain, Daniel Craig, like firing on all cylinders, great bond girls. I mean, it's, it's a, it's almost a perfect movie, but it's just it's like, I don't know. What do you think? Um, it's got a lot going for it in that you have a new iconic villain to add to the legacy. You've got 
a masterful directing job by Sam Mendes, the first action movie to ever look really truly beautiful in my opinion. Yeah. Like totally shot in a new way of of you know making these movies. Um brings a new element, the way that the movie is lit, the way that the um the the movie proceeds. It it just feels really really fucking excellent the return of the db5 <laughs> it's awesome uh this is one of the movies that i, I think will tr- that kind of transcend the franchise that's why it's a number two level movie yeah and you know it it will always be a iconic film in that it reimagined bond again like it, they had to reimagine Bond after 9/11, but then they had to reimagine Bond for the modern movie-going audience. Yeah, and this is them doing that perfectly. Yeah, and it feels modern, um, and it feels different. Like this one, I think we even said this on our episode. Like it, it can almost stand alone. Like if you said, you know what, I only want to watch one James Bond movie, you could probably watch this one and get it right. Totally, like, and that's kind of really cool. Um, I but mean, if you were going to watch one, one. absolutely just one. If you we're going to just watch one, though, we don't think that Skyfall would be that one. Because nope. if you want to understand all of the iconic elements of James Bond, from the villain to the physical antagonist to the Bond girl to the car to the music to his swagger and his presence on screen, Goldfinger is it. That's it. It's the movie you need to go see. This is the m- movie that, you know, you'd put in a time capsule for aliens if they wanted to know what American and, you know, British culture was like in the early 1960s. Like, this is... It's made at a really cool time. In 1964, you know, everyone's healing, after trying to heal after JFK has been shot. The Beatles have just come to America and now we have the beginning of modern technology, communication, the sexual revolution, and rock and roll. And it's all about to explode. And it does with James Bond and Goldfinger. Uh, it's the movie that truly launches the franchise. It really is the blockbuster movie that they had been building towards. And it's everything you want in a Bond film. It's, I think, one of the very first Bond films I saw growing up. Uh, it's super important to the future of the franchise. Uh, if you're only going to ever watch one, Goldfinger is definitely it. Goldfinger is definitely it. I mean, you've got that iconic scene with uh, the the women draped in gold. I mean, you, you've got Sean Connery, you know, really laying it all in. It's it just it's a great film, iconic villain. And it again, similar to Skyfall, is standalone. Like it, it feels like a story. It wraps it all up. Um, and, uh, yeah, it couldn't, it couldn't be better. All right. So I'm just going to run real, really fast through them all. Number 24, Octopussy, Die Another Day, Live and Let Die, License to Kill, A View to a Kill, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Quantum of Solace, The World is Not Enough, Diamonds Are Forever, Number 15, The Living Daylights, Thunderball, Moonraker, You Only Live Twice, Golden Eye, Ten is for Your Eyes Only, Spectre, The Man with the Golden Gun, Tomorrow Never Dies, From Russia with Love, Five is Spy Who Loved Me, Four, Casino Royale, Three, Doctor No, Two, Skyfall, and One is Goldfinger. 
that's it, everyone. That's the James Bond it. franchise, <laughs> according to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. It's been an iconic run. Thank you all so much for listening. I mean, it's been such a journey. I can't believe we fucking succeeded. <laughs> We're done. It's over. Thank you, guys. This, You know what we thought. You know how we think. Tell us what you think. We want to know. If you want to, check us out, www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us, info at longlostheroes.net. You can check us out at LLH Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out the podcast. It's on Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Apple. We got everything. Go find us. Tune in. We're about to launch some brand new shit. We're going to go into The Mandalorian. I'm sure we'll catch everybody up on what's happened in the nerdverse since the six months we've talked about it. And we've <laughs> all been in quarantine. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank, thank you, Frank. Thank you, AJ. Thank you everyone for listening and very excited for our next chapter. Uh, so let us know what you thought about this series. And if you've got any other ideas for us moving forward, but we're doing Mandalorian next. We'll catch you next week. Peace out, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.